This is the EVP Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the EVP Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Beaker. And I'm Ghosted. And we killed DVO. He's no longer with us. So we replaced <laughs> him with another bald person. This is castle you can't tell though because i got a hat on yes. so I'm, I'm hiding my baldness it's like hidden incognito baldness so what's up castle welcome to the evp podcast with us today not much it's good to be on here it's been a while since i've been behind a microphone and uh as tim knows unfortunately to get behind a microphone it's hard to get me to shut up so i'm just gonna apologize ahead of time <laughs> even if he's not behind a microphone well, he, well, he quit show. talking yeah, so, so what he does so for those of you that don't know who castle is I have mentioned that I've been on a previous podcast. Ghosty and I were both on a previous uh, paranormal team. Uh, Castle here was the founder of that podcast and that paranormal team. Yes, uh, it was WISPS, um, which stands for Wasatch Investigative Society for Paranormal uh, Studies. Uh, and that team was formed back in uh, 2012. Um, we founded it with kind of the purpose to be a team that, I don't know, I, I saw a lot of teams come into places that just they kind of look like the circus had rolled into town i mean it sounds kind of rude and mean but i mean you know i thought that's true though. <laughs> I thought, you know if people want someone coming into their house you know they don't know these are strangers and you want someone coming in it looks like they just got out of prison <laughs> they just um, got the carnival roadies just showed up <laughs> and so they smell like cabbage so i thought you know what would it be like to make a team that kind of you know look nice kind of presented themselves professionally and i know professionalism was kind of the the key behind that team when we founded it um and i think we did a great job i uh beaker you go beaker or do you go by your well, beaker yeah yeah but uh beaker was on the team Dell was on the team uh peaches was on the team with us um and we actually had a great time we dealt with a lot of really fun stuff we saw some really interesting things uh we also saw some really crazy dark things I uh, had a lot of fun on the team. Um, but as happens, um, life kind of gets crazy. Uh, things go sideways. Um, you know, my life got turned upside down a couple times during that time period. Um, and, you know, we decided to part ways with the team. Um, I'm still loosely associated with the team. They still call me from time to time. Uh, but uh, now my sister runs it. Um, and, you know, with anything, it's evolved. I mean, it's still a great team. Uh they still go out and do stuff, uh, but I haven't been on an investigation with them for some time, actually. So I think uh, the first investigation you did in like three years was when you came to my potluck. Uh, uh, it is. Uh, in fact, uh, yeah, I took like a three-year break from uh, the paranormal altogether other than just uh, occasional podcast appearances. Um, in fact, speaking of podcasts, uh, the Supernatural Hour was a podcast that uh, was initially founded uh, with the WISP team, uh, and we did probably a dozen or so episodes uh, before Beaker came on uh, and Peaches as uh, a couple of the co-hosts. And then we went for a number of years before both myself and Beaker. I think we were about five years in, six years, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that before we, uh, like I said, life kind of went sideways and I had to reprioritize and kind of take a step back from all of it for a minute uh, to kind of get myself situated. But um, honestly, the experiences that we had were just, crazy um i don't think a lot of people realize that i think most people have paranormal experiences every single day um and don't even realize it's happening to them because we get so focused on the world around us we get focused on what the president's doing we get focused on what's you know gas prices are we get focused on 
you know, what the latest crazy news story is, the latest murder, that we don't slow down enough to like pay attention to what's actually going on around us. Um, and then when you kind of are looking at that and you focus on that, um, you start to notice that, hey, you know, that thing moved. You know, it wasn't where I left it. Um, hey, I think I just heard a voice, you know, say something to me. But we get so wrapped up in the world around us that we miss those experiences. Uh, but honestly, every single person that can even hear my voice right now, you have things that are happening to you right now. Well, not maybe right this second, <laughs> but I mean in your life. Uh, that Everybody listens, <laughs> looking around like, right now? Oh, no. <laughs> Where's the ghost? Where's the ghost? Is it there? But, but I, w- I would say probably at least on a weekly basis, something's happening to anybody at any given time. And it's just you got to slow down and pay attention to it or you're going to miss it. And I think most of us, myself included, uh, do miss those things that are going on. So what got you into the paranormal initially? So that's an interesting story. So when I grew up, um, I grew up down in Payson, Utah. Uh, my parents both worked shift work. Uh, my, <clears throat> my mother was a nurse. Uh, my dad was a police officer and so they were gone you know kind of odd times and so I was raised uh, not raised but we spent a great deal of time with my great aunt my grandpa's sister Uh, she was kind of our babysitter growing up and so we spent quite a bit of time at her home and it was a little home built in like the 1920s uh, in Payson and this house was creepy is probably the, the nicest thing I can say about this house. I mean, it was great because my great aunt just lived there by herself. She was an elderly woman. But this house just had a vibe. Um, there was a room uh, in the house that was always kind of kept closed. Uh, it was in the northwest bedroom. And this room was always icy cold. Uh, it didn't matter the time of year. It could be July, January. It didn't matter. The room was just always icy cold. And the interesting thing about this room is if you spent any amount of time in this room, you always felt like there's somebody in there with you. Um, and if you slept the, in that room at night, you would often have a dream. And when I say you, I mean lots of people who spent any time in this room had the same dream. Uh, and the dream was that you'd be in this room. And as I explain this dream, people are going to be like, what are you talking about? That sounds stupid. Why is that scary? Um, but the feeling in the dream is what made it scary. But the dream was that you're in this room and you're waking up in the bed and it was a bright sunlight day outside. And there'd be these geometric shapes, probably about the size of your hand, uh, triangles, squares, circles, all different colors floating through the room. And that was the dream. And, you know, everyone who's listening is thinking, well, what do you freaking do? <laughs> um, but you just wake up super creeped out. Uh, years later, my great aunt passed away um, and the home was sold. And it was a few years later, I was in high school and we we're kind of telling ghost stories on the bus coming back from a school activity. And I hadn't mentioned this dream to anybody. And a girl on the bus goes, yeah, we have this house and uh, we have this bedroom. And in this room, it's always ice cold. And we have this really creepy dream. And she goes on to describe the dream I just described. And I kind of stopped and said, where do you live at? And she explained the, my great aunt's house. They, they had bought it. I didn't know that. Uh, but even her family had no connection to us, no connection to me. We're having the same dream. Now, in this house, if you went in the basement, the basement had these really crazy steep stairs, and the basement looked like it hadn't been touched since the 1920s. <laughs> uh, you go down there, it's concrete. It's aged concrete, so it's really dark gray. Um, and if you're the only one in the home and you went downstairs in this house, you could hear footsteps upstairs walking around, even though there's nobody else in the home. Um, this house is very haunted. Um, 
Have you guys introduced Peaches on the show before? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just I don't want to keep referring to her if nobody knows who she is. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, I don't understand the bell. <laughs> Obviously, you don't listen to the show. Um, <laughs> anytime we mention her name, we ring the. We were when we first started this podcast, we were saying her name quite a bit. That's hilarious. By we, so, we mean Beaker. Pretty much, me, yeah. So uh, you did it too. Um, All right, yeah. So we we got a bell, and anytime one of us mentions her name, we ring the bell. Don't feel bad. I don't listen to my so, old podcast either. Yeah, some, I'm so the, busy that. some of the listeners actually like text me and, and get frustrated if we forget the bell. Oh, well, you might get them to uh, email because I think I mentioned her name them. a couple of times. We've, we've, <laughs> like Pavlov's dog. Yes, we've, we've trained our <laughs> listeners. Um, anyway, we took Peaches down to the house and she said it's crazy haunted. Uh, she mentioned that there's a portal in the closet in that room uh, that the weird dreams were coming from. Um, and so that was kind of my introduction to the paranormal growing up in this house. Um, through grade school, I went to school at Petit Neat School in Payson, which for those who are familiar with Payson, and, or who aren't familiar with Payson, I should say, is Petit Neat's an old, uh, massive sandstone uh, edifice built in 1906. Um, and it used to be a grade school and very, very haunted as well. Uh, and so me and some of my friends used to ghost hunt at Petit Neat in grade school. And I use my air quotations. I say ghost hunt. Hey, we actually have a camera. I can use my ghost hunt. Yeah. Um, you know, but we we're super fascinated with it. And so were you scared? Were you fascinated? Scared. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. Uh, yeah, you did. You got me. <laughs> so we're <laughs> sorry. In our Hans Holzer episode, he's like. Like many children, he was scared and fascinated by the paranormal, and we're like, "That should be a, that should be a, a paranormal show." Like uh, Discovery, show. Plus. Uh, Discovery Plus. Discovery Plus. Scared and fascinated. Yeah. Yeah. Scared naked and fascinated. Yeah. We mentioned that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, now keeping all that in mind, I just I had you know anything I could get my hands on paranormal wise, I would read it. That school actually had a couple of good ghost books in their little grade school library. Oh, nice. I don't, I'm not sure why they had those in grade school library, but they did, and I found them and I read them. Um, then I turned into a teenager. What? No way. Yes, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Um, and my sister at the time was living in Cedar City, uh, going to college. I was 16 years old. Um, and I just bought me like a black motorcycle jacket cause it looked cool. And it was, you know, the early nineties, late eighties and that kind of thing was cool. Um, and so. He had a mohawk and one of those clip-on earrings. <laughs> I'd upgraded the magnetic one by that time. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Until you lose the back, then. and you're like, mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my sister's going to college down in Cedar City. And uh, in the summer, I would go down, and I'd spend you know a week or two with my sister while she's down there. And I'm sure my parents were happy to get me out of the house. Uh, but we went down there, and when I got down there, my sister was... Uh, teaching bagpipes she plays bagpipes and she's uh teaching bagpipes to this older couple um i still remember their last names it was the davies um and when we got there uh i met them and i remember telling my parents after we met them i said i don't know there's something weird about them that i don't really like and my parents said well they're from back east and people from back east are uh, kind of weird and so uh not an evp <laughs> I forgot to turn the ringer off on my phone. <laughs> um, anyway, so my parents said, well, they're from back east, and maybe that's why they seem weird. And so I'm like, okay. And uh, they invited us up hiking uh, one day. And so we went up hiking, and they kept trying to get me, they kept trying to separate me from my sister. 
which I thought was kind of weird, and I kind of stayed back. You know, didn't really. Did they off. have an upside down pineapple? Maybe. <laughs> were they swingers? That's why they were separating it. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> the story gets kind of weird that way. So, uh, anyway, as we're going on with the Davies, there's just something about them that isn't sitting right with me. And I'm sitting at my sister's house one day, and her husband is out at school, you know, going to SUU, and my sister is up teaching bagpipe lessons. And I'm just I'm sitting at home, and I feel really weird, and just something feels off. And uh, my sister comes into the house, and her husband comes in, and just the darkest, creepiest, most evil feeling came with them into the house. And they proceeded to tell me that my sister was up teaching bagpipe lessons to the Davies. And in a voice that was not his, uh, Mr. Davies started telling my sister that uh, he was from another planet and that she belonged with him. Um, and then they started telling her about my Aunt Krista, who he knew nothing about, um, <clears throat> and started saying weird things that she needed to go with him. Now, meanwhile, across town, my brother-in-law at the time felt really uneasy and felt like he needed to go over there to the house for whatever reason he got there. And Mrs. Davies met him in the driveway. And comparing notes later, we found out that he and she were telling my brother-in-law and sister the exact same thing at the exact same time in different areas of the home. That they're from different planet? Yes, yeah, from some planet. and But the more creepy stuff than crazy stuff, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I honestly, it's been so many years. I'm I'm old enough. It's been like 40 years ago, uh, 30 years ago at this point, I guess. Um, sorry, I had to do some math for how old I was versus <laughs> how old I am. Uh, it was about 30 years ago because I'm 47. Um, anyway, long story short, they came to the house. Creepy feeling. Um, so we decided to leave the house, and uh, you know, my family's religious. My brother-in-law and sister wanted to go to the temple. There's a temple in St. George, uh, and they're part of the LDS church, and that's part of the LDS worship services going to a temple. So they did that. I was kind of young, so I just drove around St. George for a while in their car. Um, and, you know, we drove around, were creeped out, and then after they got back from the temple, everything seemed good. Uh, we went back to the house, and walking in, it was just a really dark, evil feeling. I ran in to grab my jacket, which I'd left behind, my black motorcycle jacket. And the entire time I was in the house, it felt like there was somebody behind me the whole time walking into the house with me. Um, and it's kind of that feeling you have when you're alone, but you don't feel alone, and you feel like any minute you turn around, there's going to be somebody right there. And so I beelined it in there, grabbed the jacket, got out, and, you know, we went and spent some more time driving around town. Came back to the house and the creepy feelings back. Uh, anyway, we ended up having to have the house blessed, and once the house is blessed, the creepy feeling left and all was well. Um, so those were kind of my early entry into the paranormal stuff and kind of some evil, dark stuff. Um, through some of our investigations later and using peaches, <laughs> um, we talked to a spirit named Lucy who inhabits the family tree. I don't know if you guys ever talked about Lucy on the yeah, show. Yeah, we did an episode on um, the family tree. Lucy the demon princess. And <laughs> so uh, out of curiosity, I threw peaches. I, <laughs> I inquired about this uh, whole situation uh, and what had happened. And the information we got was that this couple was part of a, a coven of uh, dark evil witches. And... Uh, they more or less had been possessed. That was kind of the, the long and short of it. 
and uh, that something dark had followed my sister and brother-in-law to the house, and that's why we had to bless the house to get rid of it. Um, and so that was kind of my intro through my youth uh, into the paranormal. So long story. Uh, <laughs> hopefully your listeners find it interesting, but that's how I got involved. Um, and basically followed paranormal from there on up into adulthood. Nice. So I know when I first met you, uh, I met you at a convention. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't even know that you were like, I, you, I think you were running security at the time. Um, I think I was. I think I, uh, I was there trying to represent my team, but I also was just kind of like, yeah, watching the door. I was doing whatever I could to get my foot in the door into the paranormal world, basically. Yeah. Uh, I know um, we were actually... Anything. Pe- anything. <laughs> I'll do anything. <laughs> Randy and I were actually, uh, we were talking to the owner of Asylum 49, and uh, we were telling him about some of the experiences that we had while we investigated there, and you had overheard and came up and introduced yourself, and that's when you had, uh, you'd showed us this video. Oh, yes. That's the Demon in Connecticut <clears throat> video that you had. Yeah, in fact, that was an interesting story in and of itself. Um, and actually, this is, like you said, this is when I first met you guys. I had known you guys for all of maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, so I was contacted. I, I founded the team. Um, and, you know, I built a website, kind of put a presence out there and was, you know, starting to get investigations lined up and was trying to get going uh, in the paranormal world. And I got contacted by a group out of not a group, an individual out of Pennsylvania. And it was a father-son, and they had been dealing with some really strange uh, things. And some of their story, to be honest with you, didn't 100% make sense to me. And anybody who's done this for a long period of time, when you talk to clients sometimes, they'll tell you stuff, and you pick out the important parts, but some of the other stuff they tell you, you're kind of like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. A guy with a fedora... Um, oh, I don't know how that fits into anything, but okay. Uh, let's talk about your dishes levitating across the kitchen. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I understand that. Um, so they'd contacted me and something about going to a weird cemetery and seeing weird stuff. And that part wasn't really all that interesting uh, or really relevant, in my opinion. I, I couldn't find any relevance to it. But uh, they sent me a video because uh, they said there was like, actually things moving inside the home. Um, and I think this video is still up. Uh, I don't. I think the West team hasn't taken it down. No, they started a whole new YouTube channel. Did so they? It's on the old YouTube channel, the Wisp Utah, uh, uh, Wisp Media. It's Wisp Media. So look up the user Wisp Media, and those are all videos that I've put up there. Well, there's uh, some of my old videos too. And, so and it's, it's videos that you and I did. Right, because uh, the the new team has started their own stuff because I lost access to it when I transferred all stuff to them. Um, I lost access to some of the media accounts. But uh, the West Media account's up there, and it's the I can't remember if it's I think it was Connecticut actually, not Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think it was Connecticut. Because um, I remember it being Demon in, uh, Demon in Connecticut. Yeah, so if it. you want to go see the video, it's uh, under West Media Demon in Connecticut. But they were having uh, things happen in their home, uh, and the kid had actually set up like a motion camera in his house. I think it was on uh, his laptop, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the laptop, and it had the like the green boxes would pop up whenever that follows movement and uh, things of that nature. And so he started recording when he wasn't home because things were happening. And in the recording, um, you know, he'd be out of the house and you'd see like the kitchen cabinets like kind of creak open, um, you know, little stuff. And then one time like a pan comes flying out and almost hits him. Um, oh, yeah. There was the two liter bottle that like tipped over and started spinning. 
Right, and it starts spinning on the ground. Um, and at one point, he goes over to pick up this two-liter bottle, and he's got those uh, Levelor blinds. Did I say that right? I can't remember if it's Levelor blinds. Anyway, those... Like those ones? Yeah, like the... Not the, the people on the podcast. The horizontal ones? The horizontal <laughs> ones where you pull it, and then it goes up. Yeah, it's got the, the slats that you can make. Anyway, the blinds literally got ripped off the wall on the video oh. as he spent it down to pick up this two-liter bottle. But it's interesting because I start showing this video to... This uh, clock fell off the wall, too. To, well, and that's what I was going with, yeah, is, is that I start showing this video to you guys. And you guys are oh, this is cool. And Brandy goes, well, I can see the I, I can see the spirit in the video. And I'm like, really? But I, you know, you weren't the only one. I was like, really? Yeah. Well, and I, I'll be honest with you. I was kind of skeptical because, I mean, anybody who spent any time around, like, a paranormal convention, there's... People who are legit, there's Everybody's people who a, want to be legit. A medium, and then, everyone says that they're a medium at those. Yeah, <laughs> and, and everybody's a medium. But what was interesting is like, she's like, I can see it. There it is. It's reaching for the clock. And, and then, and that's what kind of blew my mind. Is she goes, oh, it's right there. It's messing with that clock. It's like trying to get that clock off. I'm like, you know, and I'm kind of like going, whoa, how, how does she know? Because you know, I've obviously seen this video a hundred times because I've watched it and rewatched it and watched it again and tried to debunk it. Now, keep in mind, like we said, we had known you for like maybe 10 minutes yeah, at this point. Yeah, n- never seen you guys in my life. And she goes, oh, that's messing with that clock in the wall. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'll be damned, you know, the clock comes off the wall. And I'm like, okay, she's legit. She can actually see and hear stuff. And this is great because, you know, at the same time, I'm also forming up a team. Yeah, and I think you had been around for like six months at this yeah, point. Yeah, we, yeah, we'd done, we'd had a handful of investigations under our belt and we'd gone to some public events um, she had also a mentioned, file like Nick Fury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she also Build mentioned she started like tracing it, following it in the video around the room, and mentioned how it was like reaching for the blinds and playing with the blinds, and then right then the blinds fell off the wall. Yeah, so she's giving me a narrative of what's of what it's doing, and before you see activity happening and where it's happening at, and it's obvious that she can see this in the video. There's no, I mean, this video was sent direct to me. It's not, it wasn't anywhere else, and so it's not like you know she'd seen it on the internet because it wasn't on the internet at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, hmm, I'm like, Brandy. We were like the first ones you showed it to outside of your team. Uh-huh. It really was. And so I was like, Brandy, Tim, um, join us. Uh, <laughs> well, well, we I, went down to Fort Doug, or uh, Camp Floyd. Camp Floyd. Camp Floyd mm-hmm. that night. In fact, actually, I think that's what I did is I was like, you guys going to go investigate tonight? Because I had a couple investigations set up with this, uh, with this convention that were part of the, you know, you buy a ticket, then you can also get a ticket to this investigation mm-hmm. we're doing or that investigation so i'm like where are you guys going tonight because i think they had two different investigations going on i think they were doing fort douglas and camp floyd and yeah and so we they had the camp floyd one and you're like perfect that's where i'm going yeah and so i made sure i, I hung out with both of them because i wanted to kind of see you know this, this in action <laughs> in an actual investigation and and anyway we through that i became great friends with tim and brandy and uh which led us on many many adventures oh uh, so many a lot of crazy stuff that we've... Well, I mean, we investigated together for like eight years. Oh, yeah, at least. I mean, and I met you in 2013. Yeah, it's so in... 2019, so six years. Yeah, 2019 is when I kind of took a step back from all of it. And uh, a lot happened in those six years. Yeah, oh, a lot happened in those six years. Um, from seeing full-on possessions uh, to objects moving. Uh, honestly... Uh, affecting our personal lives in a lot of uh, instances we had a lot of uh there was a couple times where some of us had to like you know i need to take a step back for a month or two well there's a couple of times too where i even i was like you know what I, do, how bad do i really want to be doing this because it's you know affecting me personally when stuff's going on in my personal life 
that's followed us from investigations. Well, that never um, happened to anybody. We never got Latin text messages. <laughs> <laughs> we never got crazy Marco Polos of someone looking like they were possessed. <laughs> it was easy. Easy breezy. You know, the interesting thing is I still have those Latin text messages. I actually saved those. Oh, you did? I did not. Uh, I still have some of the... I still have our, our little Marco Polo. They're on this phone right here. See, and I have the videos. Uh, yeah, I've still got the text messages. I saved those. Um and yeah, I mean, we had a, a, a client, his name's Cleve. Um, and, and I can say that cause Cleve gave us permission to use his name. Uh, his story was awesome. It um, was. And he was in a house in Orm, Utah. Um, and he, that house was off the chain, crazy town. Uh, he installed video cameras inside his house to capture some of the stuff. In fact, in that West media account, there's also a, a video about Cleve's house. And I documented some of the I put together a video showing some of the activity, like shadow figure walking through one of his cameras. Does he still own that house? No, he couldn't get rid of that thing fast enough. Um, it <laughs> well, took him longer than he wanted to, but he he moved out of it. Well, if you look at the picture that I posted for our episode when Lurch was on, uh-huh. um, I believe that picture I posted of him was the one from Cleve's house with the like Santa Claus looking guy looking at him. That one's also on that phone. I have that picture as well. Um, sorry, I moved away from the microphone. I sound like I was down a tunnel. <laughs> Help me. Um, <laughs> how do you get down? I'm over here. How do I get down? Um, <laughs> uh, inside joke, sorry. Inside joke. It's an EVP where I, I say, how do you get down? Right when an EVP hits. And so if you play it over and over again, I sound like a tard. Um, <laughs> how do I get down? Um, anyway, this house was fascinating because... He'd been in it for a while. Um, Cleve woke up a couple of times without control of his body, almost like a sleep paralysis, but fully awake, fully aware, and hearing a voice not his own coming from his body. Um, like whatever it was was speaking through him. And as we started investigating this house, um, the team members started getting threats in Latin via text message on our phones. Um we had all kinds of crazy stuff going on there. Tim's reaching for that bell. Because um, <laughs> the text messages was coming from one of our team members. Yeah, it's coming from Brandy. Um, but the interesting thing was is that most of the time when these text messages were coming from her, um, she had Tim with her or she was there at the time. The, you know, One of the times I was actually on my way to her house when the messages came through. Right, and so I, I get there, and I'm like, "What you doing?" She's like, "No, I'm just vacuuming." I'm like, "I even like I grabbed her phone. She didn't have time to actually like go through and delete them. They were not on her end." Right, and they so were, but they were on all of our phones, and a lot of them too actually referred to hers and that your medium's too strong, we'll break her. She'll she's ours, um, which actually caused the team a lot of concern for her safety um, because they were clearly targeting her, and they knew that that would be of concern for us, which is part of why I think they did target her. Um, she got targeted a lot. But there's, uh, I've got a really cool photo on my phone that shows a shadow figure following me through Cleve's house. A great big, tall, it looks like it's six, seven foot tall shadow figure like hunched over right behind me. Uh, but he had one room in his house. And it's interesting because you walk into this room. I mean, he's got crystals in this room everywhere because he knows this room is kind of like the hot spot. The treadmill room in the basement. A, uh-huh. Of where all this activity is happening. And so, I mean, he's got any kind of holy object, holy uh, metaphysical object anything he can to try and neutralize this room um you know you walk in there and he's got 
pictures of the Pope and, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff to try and keep this room under control. Um, and Peaches, you like how I've learned to pause. Um, <laughs> she uh, said, that, well, there's a portal on the floor here in this room. Um, and so when I first came into this, and I don't know, some of your listeners may be like, yeah, portals, whatever. You guys are nuts. And I was, I'll be honest with you, when I started doing this, I thought portals were kind of like bullshit. Look, I, your, our viewpoints changed a lot during our oh, investigations because yeah. we started out believing one thing and then, then we started, as we experienced things, we kind of grew and adapted to it. We're like, okay, there is something to this. Because I was the same way. We're like, I'm like, portal? That's a video game. Like, yeah, people, <laughs> people are like, oh, these spirits came through a portal. I'm like, yeah, right, mm-hmm. portal, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and so th- this is one of those houses that kind of, I, I was starting to lean that way just because we had experienced enough stuff. And I'm like, okay, maybe portals are real, but I don't know. Um, I just remember walking in that room, and we had like four or five different EMF meters. And they weren't all K2s. They were different kinds of EMF meters, and they were all pegged like to the max. Going absolutely nuts in, this, in the middle of this floor where the, she said the portal was. And the thing is, is like, you, we know there's no power lines or anything because this is in the basement. The only thing underneath you is solid concrete. Well, and here's where it got crazy. And this is what I thought was so fascinating with this was, so Peaches said, let's try and close the portal. <laughs> and uh, so we all put our hands in the middle of this portal and we all started kind of focusing oh, yeah. on closing this portal. And as we're focusing on it, all these EMF meters that Tim is talking about go from being pegged completely into the red to completely off. No EMF whatsoever. Yeah, it was trippy. And the minute that we stopped, like with our hands in the middle and we just stopped concentrating on closing this portal, they'd peg right back up. So we were physically... Oh, so you were watching it as it was... Yeah, yeah in, in real time, we're, like, we're physically controlling these K2 meters and these other EMF meters that are laid out there and it was the trippiest thing in the world and and she goes you know what she goes there's something keeping this open because every time we close it it would like instantly like just pop open back, right open. back up um and we ended up going to this house four or five times before we got it figured out i mean i took uh peaches there mm-hmm. and i took uh, another medium we worked with caden there i took another brandy there um who was another medium that we worked with uh we took three or four different mediums there uh, and to an extent, it was almost Cleese House kind of became a training house a little bit. I mean, we we're always serious when we went there, but we took several different team members, you know, like, hey, we're going there. It'd be a good experience for you to come with us. Um, but his house is always just off the chain nuts. And like I said, we're getting Latin texts. We're getting, you know, threats. We're having stuff happen in our private lives. Um, well, I know he had stuff like, didn't he was like flossing one day or something and it like flew out of his hand and across the room and into the toilet. Uh-huh. And then I remember you telling us about, he had just bought some paint or something. Yeah. And it got like splashed all over his car and through in his the garage, garage. Like it just splattered everywhere. And this was closed sealed cans that weren't, I think they were on the floor already. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like Amityville type stuff was going on in this guy's house. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, some of the EVPs we got there were crazy too. In Did fact, it ever fully stop before he moved out? Yes, we finally got a handle on it. Um, before we got there, though, like a year prior, another team had come in, and he got an EVP that said something about his fish. And when the team left, his aquarium heater got turned up all the way to high, and it cooked his fish. Um, I mean, just just some crazy, crazy. stuff going crazy. on in this guy's house. And it wasn't just his house either. 
Oh, because yeah. he had another property. He had, or a cabin. he had a cabin, and we had activity up there as well. So his house, we finally figured out kind of what was going on. Um, I'm not a medium. I don't profess to be a medium. I'm not a clairvoyant. I'm not anything of the sort. But for whatever reason, I can usually pick up on an object attachment pretty quick if I go into a place that has an object attachment. I've seen it. It's, it's weird. I can't even explain it. I just go in, and I just suddenly get tunnel vision on something. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? And I just I can't quite, you know, oh, uh, I, I'm looking at something. I just can't look away kind like of thing. that plastic skull in that one house. Right, where the there. water lines got ripped out while we were standing there talking to the yeah. family. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, So at Cleve's house, I'm like, I keep, we walk into his bedroom. He's got this crazy wand. It's like this crystal wand made out of all these crystals, like woven together with like gold wire. Um, and it's got a little plaque and it's a piece of memorabilia uh, that is like a wand, a crystal wand used by Cher. Um, it's a in, dilly. In one of her... Uh, <laughs> <It's a dilly>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was a wand used by Cher in like one of her concerts. So, you know, I mean, it was a, a piece of memorabilia. And normally if someone has an attached object, I'd be like, get rid of that thing. He don't want to get rid of his Cher wand. Who knows where that thing's been? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I have dust on it at this point. Uh, <laughs> Probably had dust on it when we got used to it. <laughs> it's been dusty. <laughs> We're dirty. But we, uh, but I kind of that was kind of when I first picked up on the fact that I could pick up on object attachments. Every time we'd go in there, I kind of focused on that thing. I'm like, uh, you know, that thing's giving me the heebie-jeebies. And uh, what's this residue on it? Yeah, <laughs> you. <laughs> Ectoplasm. Uh, but we kind of determined that there's three or four objects in his house that were uh, that had attachments, and that was kind of what was keeping his portal open. He had like a King Tut replica head. I mean, it was from Vegas. I mean, it wasn't like anything fancy or special, uh, but it was a King Tut replica head. Uh, there was the Cher wand, um, and there are a couple. Do you remember what the other two things were, Tim? I do not. There was something hanging up on his wall in the living room that. Kept drawing my attention. There's one other thing. Um, but we kind of figured out that these four objects all had attachments and were kind of keeping that portal in the basement open that we couldn't figure out how to close because it would just bring right back open. And once those objects got cleansed, removed, dealt with, uh, the problems in his house seemed to dissipate. Um, same thing with his cabin. We went up to his cabin and we had EVPs of growling. Uh, he had, you know, history of getting attacked up there. And he had a stuffed owl. It was like a owl replica um, that was had attachments, and that was kind of the focus up there as well. Uh, and once the owl replica was removed, uh, that property calmed down as well. Uh, he subsequently sold both properties. I don't blame him because <laughs> the stuff he had going on was like seriously like Amityville level stuff. Yeah, it was. Um, it was you. You walked into this house and you felt uneasy just the second you walked in. Yeah, and he, he did have, uh, so up in his living room, he did have these lights. And this part was not paranormal, but I think it did feed the problem. The, these lights themselves in his living room just were crazy with the K2s. Uh, it was as long as his lights were on, the K2s were like pegged about halfway constantly. And I think those things were putting out enough EMF to help feed whatever was in his house to be able to manifest in other ways because he had madness going on there in fact we actually nicknamed that particular spirit we had lucy the demon princess at a family tree and his house we had what we called larry um and larry was a pretty malevolent one too in larry fact, wasn't just at his house well, i was gonna say and larry 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 roamed 
He went around to other places, like uh, an old bank building that we used to investigate. Mm-hmm. And say we ran into Larry several times. Uh, and I think Larry intentionally kind of followed us around uh, through our investigations. After, I mean, and he threatened it in Latin in our text that, you know, that he was going to cause us problems. Yep. And, uh, and we did. We ran into him several other instances uh, over the years at different places. Um, Joe's yeah. greeting. I'm like, oh, what's up, Larry? Oh, shit. <laughs> what's up, brother? What's hey, up, haven't bro? seen you since yesterday, you <laughs> dick. <laughs> well, I remember even, uh, so with Lucy, talking about spirits following people around. Um, Do you remember the drive home when I started talking to myself? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Lucy having a telepathic conversation with me, and you're just looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? Well, speaking of Lucy, so I was home one night, and we worked with another medium named Brandy. Um, she was down south, and she sent me a text one night that says, Lucy's at my house. Um, I'm like, okay, so I sent a message back and just being a smartass, because I can be a smartass. Mm-hmm. I said, you want me to come over there and kick her in the teeth? <laughs> and, uh, and she texts me back and goes, what? What are you talking about? I said, you just told me Lucy's at your house. She goes, no, I didn't. And she sends me a screenshot of her phone, and that part of the message is not on her phone. Um and so, I mean, we had stuff like that. Like, oh, that's cool. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, like that kind of stuff happened a lot. And I, you know, and people can be like, oh, well, they just sent it and we're screwing with you. Yeah, I guess that's certainly a possibility. But honestly, no. I mean, it was clear that she had no idea what I was talking about. And that's just not her personality. No, Or she not. would do that at all. Um, or that anybody would have access to her phone and even know that that would be a thing. Um, in fact, one of the messages we got uh, said, your technology is flawed. Um and then there were some more threats involved in that, but those spirits were able to manipulate that technology and use it to uh, communicate directly with us. Yeah, it was trippy, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was with that and all the other stuff that happened when I first joined the team. Um, I mean, this was all within the first year. This is going on. It's like, hey, we're a brand new team. Uh, we'll just jump right in. <laughs> we're not going to ease our way into the paranormal. We're just going to go full steam ahead. Why start mm-hmm. small? We can go full... Uh, Amityville uh, Conjuring. <laughs> Raw dog it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the, the, uh, another client. I didn't actually get involved with this case, but I remember seeing the picture where he had that big white streak through the picture. And I know um, he was wearing like a black like shirt that was like open. And I think he had longer hair. I know that you had a meeting with like him and a bishop. Oh, yes, yes. Um, in fact, you, you reminded me of two stories. Uh, and so, uh, have you guys talked about the stages of possession, like um, infestation, we, encroachment, that I kind of stuff? I think we touched a little bit. We had like a three-part series on the Warrens last year. Okay. But I don't know that we got too much into it. And the Warrens are awesome. I actually, I've got some memorabilia from uh, Lorraine Warren, and I actually had an opportunity to talk with her a few years uh, before I formed the team. Completely. You've, you've got two pieces of memorabilia. One's really cool, and one's a coin. Um <laughs> no, they're actually both really cool. Uh, the coin, I believe, uh, or the pendant that you got from her, she carried on every investigation she mm-hmm. went on. The other piece of, I, I'm assuming you still have the shadow box. Oh no, no. Uh, so I got, I got. If you're talking that, I've got five pieces of memorabilia because I've also got okay. a, I got a bracelet that belonged to Lorraine Warren, um, which is also cool. And I do have three shadow boxes which contain spoons and. Also, oh, you've collected the three of the five. Yes, the other three uh, owners or the other two owners 
uh, got tired of having those uh, cursed objects in their homes and offload those to me. So I've got possession of all three, uh, three of the five. Uh, the other one is sitting in uh, John Zaffis's uh, Paranormal Museum because I gave one to him. I actually had four at one point. Um, and then I'm not sure where the fifth is. I think Kenny had it and I gave it to somebody. I think it got broken or something. Yeah. I'll have to ask him. I think Kenny had it, broke it, and then gave it to like a coworker. Uh, they're they're just they're just spoons and uh, like pieces of the bedding from the Amityville house, right? And, and when you first got these things, and I sh- I didn't even want to touch the shadow box. There was so much negative energy coming off of these things. Well, I subjected those things to so much salt, selenite, obsidian. Uh, they're not as creepy as they used to be. I think they've been more or less neutralized. Um, I keep them outside of my house. So they don't actually come into my house. They're outside in the shed. <laughs> um, and those are. I'm trying to think. Those are the only cursed objects I still have that are in my possession. We've removed um, a lot of cursed objects from Yes, homes. Yes, we have. In fact, you mentioned the plastic skull, um, which we had a house that we had a lot of stuff going on in. Uh, do you remember the activity they were actually having there, Tim? Uh, I don't. I just remember getting home from Vegas, dropping Brandy off, and then driving back from Sandy down to Santa Quinn. Yeah, I, was say, I remember being in uh, Santa Quinn at this house, and I, remember, I think they're seeing shadow figures, if I remember right. And they're having oh, their, their daughter was having like weird dreams or like the, the something was talking to their daughter. Right. Telling her to do stuff. Right. Like self-harm uh, and things of that nature. And it's interesting. So we, you know, we did a basic investigation, you know, EMF meters, EVPs, things of that nature or recordings for EVPs, I should say. And uh, as we got near the end of the night, um, we started walking through the house and I walk into they had kind of like an enclosed patio. Uh, and I walk in there, and there's a this plastic skull. It's like a Halloween decoration. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not even a good-looking replica. It's just it's a plastic Halloween-looking skull. Yeah, and I, I walk in there. and I think I, you might still have the picture of that one, too. I'm going to have to look when we get done. I think it's on Facebook um, somewhere. But, yeah, so I get the whole tunnel vision thing, uh, the Wonder Twin Power Activate <laughs> thing going on. With the, I'm like, that skull is a, a, an issue. And uh, bring it out and... Uh, we set it on the table and we put some salt around it. And as we're talking about it, um, all of a sudden water starts just pouring out from underneath their kitchen sink. Um, so we're like, what then? So we open up under the sink and uh, whatever's in the house had actually grabbed and tore the water lines out of the wall underneath the sink. We became plumbers real quick. Yeah, well, so we That's had to get insane. their water shut off. But I mean, it, it wasn't just like accidental, like all of a sudden blip, blip, blip. I mean, they're literally torn out. Um, and yeah, we ended up removing that object. And I don't know when all was said and done if we ever had. I don't think we ever had any other problems at that house. Not that I've heard. Um, of, no. I think removing that object was about what it took. And on, oftentimes, if you can find an attachment in a house and get rid of the object with the attachment, that usually takes the problem with it. Uh, we had a house in Tooele. Um, you remember that one? Yep. That was another one where we had to make two or three trips out before we got it figured out. And. Uh, that was pro- that, oh, the rock, yeah. The rock, yeah. And that was actually, that was the very first one I remember before I really figured out what was going on. I'm, um, I talked about Cleves being one, one of the first, but this was the first. Uh, we had a house in Twilla, and I didn't go to the first investigation. Um, but we went up, sent a team up. We got some EVPs out of the house. They're having issues. Uh, and then I went up. Uh, we had an investigation plan at Benson Gristmill like a week later. And the family was still having issues after we left. And so I went up, and then Tim came up probably 30 minutes after I did, yeah, along I think, with Brandy. I think we uh, 
were doing the Benson Grismill on the the third time we went to the house. We were doing Benson Grismill that night, so we all went to the house. And then hit Benson Girls after. Right. And I think if I remember right, you and Brandy came in uh, probably about 30 minutes after everybody else got there. Sounds I think because right. you guys were coming from the north and we were coming from the south. And so we beat you guys there by a little bit. But as we're walking through the house, um, there's this rock that kind of caught my attention. It was probably about oh, a little bit bigger than a large grapefruit. Um, and it had this, it was kind of an orangey color and had like this cocapelli uh, drawn on it. And then it was like lacquered. Um, and they're using it as a doorstop. And, you know, I walk by, I'm like, what's that rock doing? They're like, oh, you know, that was here when we bought the house from the original owner. And the original owner had, like, killed himself and had been into some crazy stuff. And that rock just kept drawing my attention. And uh, when Tim and Brandy came in, um, I've said it like three times, you haven't even run the bell. Listeners are going to be pissed. Um, no. there, there's, gonna some, there's some people that are going to be mad at me. I'm sorry, Jesse. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh Anyway, Brandy walks in. She's like, Ugh, at that rock. Um, and so we removed it. And it's funny because we did end up taking it to Benson Gristmill that night with us because we removed it from the house. And Benson Gristmill is usually a pretty benign place. I mean, there's usually not a lot of really dark stuff there. It's usually pretty. It's like little old lady ghosts and pioneer ghosts. And there's a couple things there that are a little icky, but not like Larry level or Lucy level. Uh, I mean, I uh, we're talking some minor league bad guys. No, just the nine-foot one. Yeah. The nine-foot tall guy that makes me look small. Yeah. But we, we took that rock there just to kind of, because we were there, so we took it with us. And all hell broke loose that night. Uh, all the EVPs we got were, I'm going to kill you, uh, die, die, die. You know, just crazy stuff like that. You know, I, I don't remember the exact verbiage in the EVPs, but I know we had uh, Jimmy Chunga was with us. And one of them said, he's mine or something along those lines. Anyway, it was just things got really dark really quick, and so we had to remove that rock from the property. But as you mentioned, Tim, we did have another one, and there's a guy who contacted us, and he said that he had a... His name was Ralph. That's right. I don't remember the last name. Not that I would say first and last name of a client, but his name was Ralph. Yeah, his I name was Ralph. That. And he was from Spanish Fork. I remember that, too. And he said that when he was 12, he got really interested and involved in black magic. Um and, you know, playing with summoning uh, things and rituals and things of that nature. And he basically invited uh, a demonic spirit uh, into his person. Um, and so he said, hey, you know, I was involved in this black magic. I feel like I'm possessed. Um, and so we met with him and a bishop. Uh, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, I, I want to deal with a religious leader more than anything because... Are we talking about the Twilla guy or the other guy? Oh, no. I'm talking about the other guy. The Twilla guy was Twilla Ralph. guy was Ralph. Yeah, Twi- yeah sorry. Twilla the other guy. guy. The other is... guy that I was talking about earlier that had the, the picture with the white streak in it. Yeah, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. So this guy, yeah, he sent a picture and he had this white streak through it. And we were able to confirm that, yes, he indeed had something inside of him. Uh, but we ended up meeting with him and a bishop and tried to cast the evil spirit out of him. Uh, and he's like, I can feel it moving. And even the bishop got kind of creeped out. He goes, oh, you know, I can feel what's going on here. Unfortunately, that kid, we were unable to help him. And he ended up uh, committing suicide, which is part of the process of, you know, a demonic entity is they try and gain access to someone's life. They try and infest the person, you know, surroundings. They basically try and push them over the edge. Uh, and their ultimate goal is they want this person to kill themselves. And unfortunately, with this guy, they were successful. Um, 
But the one Tim's talking about is even... Uh, the one that we've dubbed our scariest investigation ever. Have you guys talked about it before? No. Okay. I don't believe we've talked about it on this one. Yeah, that investigation was crazy. Um, so this guy, his name is Ralph, and he contacted us. He was in Tooele, which I'm convinced Tooele is like Satan's <laughs> armpit. Um, no offense, Tooele listeners. Your city's beautiful, but there's a lot of dark, evil shit that goes on in Tooele. They don't get the internet out there. We're good. Oh. <laughs> 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 they still got to dial the operator. <laughs> Put my call through to the, the Little Caesars. Hello? Um, <laughs> So he contacted us and said he'd had some crazy stuff going on uh, at his house. Uh, one of the things I remember him mentioning is he said that there were hoof prints outside one of the bedroom windows after a snowstorm. Bipedal. Bipedal hoof prints just outside the bedroom window with no prints leading to the bedroom window and no prints leading away from the bedroom window in the snow. So, I mean, something with hooves standing outside the window looking in. Um, but again, no tracks to or from, just just underneath the window. And uh, that was some of the stuff that they were seeing. They were seeing shadow figures in the house. Um, so we showed up to investigate, and it was me, Tim, Lurch. Um, Mark. And Mark. Um, Brandy was sick that day. And Which was a good thing. It was a good thing. Um, it was a very good thing, because I honestly don't know if she would have walked away from that investigation without being... I was told I was going to. Um, yeah, I, I when we were all there doing the investigation, we kind of determined that that investigation was not a trap, or that it was a trap. It I was going to say, what are you talking about? That it was, was definitely a trap. It was, it was a trap. <laughs> it wasn't an investigation for help. I mean, the wife definitely wanted help, but the Ralph himself. We were being lured there. Yeah, and that's not the first time that's happened. There was the uh, the one house in Salt Lake on about 13 South that was like, can you send just your medium? Yeah, we had a couple investigations we turned down just because we could tell they were sketch and they were honestly just trying to get to brandy specifically but ralph this this one um this one yeah i still will say to this day i mean i think the this is worse than the design building incident um but this one we've we've talked about on supernatural hour how we felt this was our scariest investigation ever i would think so uh just uh, purely for the fact that a when we in fact, just to preface this, at the end of the night, we drove away and said, we forgot this piece of equipment. We said, F it. Yeah, I think he, he can called have it. you. I think he called you and said you forgot uh, your holy water or something. You know, yeah. Like, just keep it. Right. Congratulations. You're a proud owner. <laughs> <holy water. laughs> um, we'll get another. <laughs> I mean, this guy, the, the whole house just it felt so, so eerie. And I think Lurch might have mentioned this uh, when he was on the show last year or a couple of years ago. But, um, it was so eerie, so creepy. Um, I just remember we we made sure to keep someone in between him and his bedroom because he had the loaded rifles leaning up against the wall. He, not in cases or anything. They were just out and, and loaded. And he kept trying to get to him. I think uh, this is the only investigation where I asked you, because uh, of your profession, I asked you if you were carrying a, your firearm, and, and you and Lurch both were, and that made me feel a little bit better. Which, uh, to be honest with you, I don't usually. Um, and that was one of the very few I felt like I needed to. No, it's something we actually tell, uh, on the old team, we actually told people to not bring Yeah, that, that was one of our rules, and this is one where kind. I just, uh, myself and Lurch both felt compelled that we needed to, to do it. And neither of us even communicated with each other that that's what we are going to do. We just both were like... Ah, this feels like we need to do this tonight. And it was it was 
kind of cool and kind of weird at the same time because again neither of us planned it it was totally against our team <laughs> policies uh but honestly totally completely necessary under the circumstances because this kid was full-on possessed i mean that there's just no two ways about it um he kept trying to get into those firearms in that room yeah, that's but, why we made sure we kept someone between him and the firearms at all times but the creepy thing with him that i remember is there's some when we cleanse a home there were some steps that we would take well, before that when he went and got the paper and the pencil and wrote down He's oh. like, he's like, I'm hearing chanting in my head, and he wrote it down, perfect Latin, and we had it translated because Lurch at the time was learning how to speak Latin and read Latin, and it translated to this one is ours, priests. Uh huh. And then he also said they had a condition, and I can't remember the name of the condition, but I did remember we did look it up right after he told us about it, and it's a real condition. That's why you were giving him a blessing. Where he was unable to see images in his head, like you or I would. What's that? Yeah, you're yeah. unable to visualize. He's unable to visualize things. You can't picture yeah. things in your head. And so he, you know, he didn't have dreams basically because um, he couldn't visualize it. But uh, at some point, we tried giving him a blessing, and he goes, you know, for the first time in my life, I can visualize tearing you guys limb from limb. Uh, I remember, I remember like your saying entrails. I to rip your throat out. Right, uh, and I just remember thinking, yikes, you know. And this <laughs> is sh- shortly after the writing down perfect Latin. This one is ours, priest. Uh, and for your listeners who don't know me or Mark or Lurch, uh, all three of us, you know, hold the priesthood in our church. And so we have, you know, the authority and ability to give blessings if we need to. Uh, and so we had given him a blessing or tried to give him a blessing, uh, when this all went down. Um, so some of the cleansing techniques we use are designed to get rid of evil spirits. One of those is we ring a metal bell. Um, I don't, perfectly know the meta science or the science behind why that works uh, anyone who's attended a catholic ceremony knows that the catholic church rings bells um, i personally think it has something to do with the frequency involved um, that it's hard on evil spirits kind of um, like a dog whistle of sorts kind of, yeah kind of like a a dog whistle for demons <laughs> if you will um and the crazy thing is is that we started ringing the bells as part of this process so he had gone outside he asked if he could go outside to smoke and i was kind of keeping an eye on him while you guys started the cleansing process and you start ringing the bell on the other side of the house and he starts screaming so i poke my head outside to see what's going on and he was literally in the fetal position covering his ears yelling it hurts it hurts make it stop uh-huh the second you started ringing the bell and if we'd stop he would recover we start up he would start in the fetal position again. Um, in fact, yeah, this is one of the only investigations that we've ever done where we had, where someone was assigned a minder <laughs> and that was, you know, we're like, Tim's the biggest guy. Tim could probably kick his butt if we need to. So Tim, we need you to keep an eye on him. Uh, and so, yeah, so Tim was basically kind of babysitting this guy a little bit because of all the creepy stuff going on with him. We didn't want him getting to those guns. We didn't want him doing, you know, we didn't know if there was a gun well, outside when he yeah, went Yeah, we didn't know if he had, a, like, a pistol in his hand, or a glove box or anything like that. So that's why when he went out to, to smoke, I just kind of kept an eye on him. Because the last thing I want is this dude charging back into his own house, shooting at us. But at the end of the night, we kind of figured that this was more or less had been a trap to dry in our medium, Brandy. Um, and we were glad that she was not able to come. Uh, it's kind of interesting, though, because at the end of the night, we basically, we determined that more or less he was actively using a Ouija, using a Ouija board. board downstairs in his basement. And if, um, if you guys listen to my episode or our episode on spirit board, you kind of know my stance on it. It's to me, it's just another investigating tool. Um, the problem I have with it is, is you're inviting spirits to manipulate and control your body. 
Right. But this dude was, he was doing it on a daily basis, even though he had assured us that he wasn't. He lied. I, we guarantee he was doing it on a daily basis, and he was trying to communicate with things that he shouldn't. It's it's all the the intent that he had was not positive by any means. It became really clear, though, near the end of the investigation that there was nothing we could do under the circumstances to solve any problems there because he was actively, openly embracing uh, the crap that was in his house. Well, like and his wife went to, was standing next to him and he went to put his hand on her shoulder and she like flinched s- away, stepped away. Like she didn't let him touch her at all. Yeah. She was actively. Like scared. I was nervous. I spent the next week looking in the newspapers for a murder suicide. <laughs> he really did. I remember him calling going, it's clear today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she, and I don't know if the flinch was even conscious or subconscious on her part, but uh, yeah, he went to touch her and she's like, Ugh. And kind of flinched away. Yeah, she shrugged him off. Um, but yeah, we ended up having to just drive away from that investigation after we told him, hey, look, dude, we've done what we can. Uh, you need to contact your religious I, leader. I don't know about you guys, but I felt super uneasy. I actually called one of my friends. So someone was on the phone with me while I was driving home. And I felt super uneasy until I got out of Tooele County. Once I got back into Salt Lake County, I felt fine. It was weird. Yeah, I think I was, we had, uh, the other three of us drove up together because we were coming from down south. And... We had talked about it a little bit. Um, I don't remember us feeling uneasy, but like I said, the three of us were actively talking about the weirdness that had gone on in that house. And like you mentioned, we got the call back like, hey, you guys forgot. I, I think it was. I think it was either holy water or oil or something along those something. lines. Just, yeah, keep it yours. <laughs> it, it wasn't anything expensive. And I'll be honest with you, had I left my entire case of gear there, I probably would have been like, ship it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's I'll, my P.O. box. <laughs> I'll, pay, I'll pay shipping. I'm not going back. Um <laughs> Give, yeah. give the address to the police department. Ship it here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best place to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. UPS store. No. P.O. box. Fire station somewhere. So, so yeah, that, that was hands down probably one of our scariest investigations, just due to the sheer fact that, I mean. We thought we were going to die. Yeah. Like, literally. That there was potential there uh, between the guns and his mental state and the fact that it became real evident real quick that, the only reason we were there is because we were basically been lured there. Yeah, we were there to help the family, like we thought. You know, that was one interesting thing about the team is, I think, having talked to other paranormal teams around, um, and I totally blame myself for this because, I don't know, it fascinated me so much, but we seem to get drawn to more dark, crazy stuff than I think any other team I've ever talked to has. We did. We had a lot more dark, crazy, evil cases than any other team. Even um, teams that are still going right now, like I talked to them, and no one has experienced anything as close to as bad as what we've had and I'll and, be we, honest, and this was all within like the first two years of the team and i'll be honest with you i think part of it is like i said i blame myself because i i feel like we did seek it out because we wanted to step in and help people and i'm not ashamed of it i'm not embarrassed by it because i feel like we did help a lot of people um it was disappointing it was disappointing when we couldn't help like in those kind of situations and usually those times when we couldn't help it was because they were actively involved in it. Um, I think one of the only homes that we weren't able to actively help, uh, I think we mitigated a little bit, was the Ishii house. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think they probably still have got issues. I talked to them on occasion. They actually live a few blocks from me now. Um, but, yeah, uh, they had major issues. We got them calmed down to moderately minor issues, but I think they still have issues. And again, I think some of that too is, I think one of the residents in the house still kind of tinkers with stuff that he should probably not be tinkering with. Yeah. Um, 
but it's, again. it's hard to help people like when you have an entire family and you know three of the four really want help and you've got the one person that's keeping it from happening right screwing it and honestly i would say all those dark cases that we dealt with uh i can't think of any exceptions off the top of my head maybe you can but usually all the dark dark cases we dealt with somebody was messing with something they shouldn't have or had been messing with something they shouldn't have um yep and the ones that we were able to go in and solve pretty easily is they moved into a house where someone had been messing with something they shouldn't have. And those ones were always the easiest because nobody in the house wanted it there. And under right. those circumstances, it was really easy to give it the boot. Uh, but when someone was tinkering, actively tinkering, it's it's hard to kick something out the door when someone's at the other door saying, come on back in. I like that. We had the one investigation where there was a Ouija board somewhere in the house. And the homeowner that we were helping, I think you got to this investigation a little bit later. I do. I know exactly which one you're talking about. But um, you being what your profession is, you were able to determine that this lady was actually an active user of uh, meth, I believe. Yeah. In fact, so your listeners are aware, I actually am a retired police officer um, and I still actively work as a police officer. Uh, And yeah, I could see signs and symptoms. And because of my job, I'm not afraid to sometimes call people out on stuff if I need to. And so I, I basically asked her, I said, look, I'm not trying to get you in trouble, but when's the last time you used meth? And I, do you remember what her answer was? I know it would have been it's like... Months is what she said. She, I think she, she said months, but I think I pinned her down and... To two o'clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was yeah. like earlier that day. She said she was, you know, she read the Bible every day and she was going to church and... And that uh, she was, you know, on the road to recovery, and she goes to church in a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> Once I say use meth, it's been a month. It's a month ago, last month. Well, it's the first, so that would have been yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that one was one where we determined that there was five or six people living in the house, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was her mom, her mom, her mom's roommate. girlfriend. Yeah, her mom's girlfriend her and then a couple other people, I think. But we determined that mom's girlfriend was actively using a Ouija board and messing with stuff that she shouldn't be. And we we basically had to tell her that, hey, we would love to help you, but as long as one of the residents here is actively tinkering with stuff, you know, we can cleanse this house all day long, but the minute we walk out the door, it's going to be right back because the minute someone starts tinkering again, it is what it is. You know, and our experience was, and you can, let me know if you disagree with this, Tim, is that usually in those kind of cases where someone was messing with stuff they shouldn't have, and I'm not even talking spiritual stuff, I'm talking about drug abuse, child abuse, um, even, I don't know that we ever dealt with any murders, but, you know, murder, um, anything that's, uh, I think, would be considered by society or religion as a grievous sin, uh, even excessive pornography use in some instances, um, we did have one of those cases. Yeah. And, and usually when I say that, I'm mean, not, not talking about someone who goes on the internet periodically to look up the naked ladies. I'm talking about people who are looking up like weird, crazy stuff and a lot of it. And well, We had the one gentleman that, um, two, both the Brandies at one point had separately, and they hadn't conversed with each other about it. They both told you that the homeowner oh, that's a good story. was uh, abusing his child. Uh-huh. In fact, we'll tell that whole story here in just okay. a second. But yeah, when people are messing with stuff, like grievous sin type stuff that can also draw in or keep things there that shouldn't be there. So it doesn't always have to be someone messing with, you know, trying to conjure, conjure the devil. Uh, it can be people just messing with stuff that's considered by religion and society to be 
a grievous sin. So in this instance, and I actually had to block this dude from my phone because I got tired of hearing from him after this. Um, he lived in uh, some housing. Uh, this is a case that was down in Provo. And he contacted us and basically said, hey, you know, I'm in this subsidized housing. Um, we're having issues. Uh, we're seeing stuff. Things are going on messing with our kid. Um, can you come help us? Like, okay, not a problem. So we go down there to the house, and first off, the house is disgusting. I mean, there's like a mountain of dirty dishes. And honestly, when it comes to paranormal stuff even, cleanliness can be an issue. Uh, I think if you maintain a clean you know, house, I think that invites positive stuff. And I think if you live in a dump, um, and when I say dump, I'm not saying your house has to be the nicest house in the world, but I'm saying you know, if you had a sink full of dirty dishes that hasn't been touched in three weeks, I think that helps invite in negative stuff. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying that's the thing that invites in the negative stuff, but it certainly makes no. But it's a great way to get your kids to do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> you want demons? Because that's how you get demons. Do the, the dishes. <laughs> um, anyway, you can own vacuum demons. We we get in there and you know we do all our cleansing stuff, and I don't think we took a medium with us the first time. I think you had Brandy Bulo with you. I don't think we did the no, first time. I was I only went the second time. So. Yeah, I think the first time we didn't have Brandy Bulo with us. Because um, I think we ended up going three times. Oh, okay. Um, yes, that's right. So the first time we just went, we cleansed. Um, and we said, hey, you know, as politely as we could, clean up your house. Mm-hmm. Um, his mm-hmm. wife was kind of special. Um, you I know, think she had autism or something. Yeah, she, was just, she wasn't firing on all cylinders. That's probably the best way to say it. Uh, honestly, neither was he. Um, but he, he was far more functional than she was. Um, and they had this little boy. Uh, but we cleansed the house. And, you know, a few weeks later we get, can you come back? Okay. So we went back and we took Brandy Bula with us, who was another medium we worked with. And and she was good at what she did. We, had, uh, we, have, we worked with three different mediums during my time there on the team, four actually but three that we used consistently. Two of them have been on this show. Which one's Caden and Caden Brandy? And, Ken, um, Brandy. Um, Peaches, so, Brandy. So we took uh, Brandy Bula with us, and she said hey, one of the spirits here that the little boy is seeing and dealing with is actually a protective spirit because something's going on with Dad. Dad's, like, touching the kid. I'm like, okay. You know, and she goes, I'm not going to remove the spirit that's protective. Um, I'm like, well, if there's a protective spirit here, I don't want to remove it either. And so we kind of went back in and told dad, like, hey, you know, we did what we can. Uh, you know, and at this point, I trust my mediums, but I'm not going to go in and be like, dude, you're touching your kid, <laughs> you know, based yeah. off of one medium. One yeah, one person's opinion. Um, because, and Peaches can tell you uh, as much as anybody that, you know, Although she has these awesome abilities, sometimes they're not always 100%. Um, you know, I make mistakes. She makes mistakes. I don't. Tim never makes a mistake. No, I'm perfect. Dale sometimes makes But, I mean, <laughs> it, it's... I make bad decisions. It's never 100%. So I don't want to go in there and say, this is how it is, you know, off of... Just because that's kind of a... That's a big accusation. That's a huge accusation. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been invited to someone's house and I can be like, hey, dude, you, you touching your kid? <laughs> Let's talk about you touching your kid. <laughs> so how's that for a creepy laugh? Um, <laughs> and so 
we left. Well, he contacts me again, like three or four months down the road, and he's like, oh, we're still having problems. So this time I take peaches with me. And, uh, mm -hmm. and now I've not told her anything about this case at all. No, we do that. I mean, I still do it. Last night I took her on a residential. I, we don't tell her anything that's going on. And honestly, and I like doing that just because it helps build her credibility. It helps build any medium's credibility uh, when there's no bias involved in it. You know what I mean? And so we walk in and we're doing the same thing. And she goes, hey, there's a protective spirit here. And dad's touching on the kid. And dad's abusing his wife. And, you know, anyway, so he walks in. You know, as we're doing this investigation, at this point, I've got two different people, two different mediums, telling me the exact same thing. They haven't corroborated stories. And, again, I will sometimes call people out on stuff. And so I told Dad, I said, look, I said, I've had two mediums in your house that can talk to spirits, that can see spirits, that can talk to spirits. And the information they're both giving me is consistent, and that consistency is, is that you are touching your kid inappropriately. And he kind of looked at us and goes, really? Or so, something along those lines. I would never do that. Just I've like. I've done that in a long time or something like that. It's been a long time it, since. I, I think at first he denied it. but it was He like denied the, it, it was the, first. It was, like, it I was would, the most milk water denial ever. It was. It was literally like this. I would never touch my son. Like, I don't know about you, but when someone accuses me of stuff I'm not doing. You get all up in arms, right? Right. You get angry. You get defensive. That's what it was. Literally, that's a bad accusation. Right. Oh yeah, and see, uh, like I said, I I, I'm, I'm a retired police officer, and I've I've interviewed. I spent five years doing SVU, which is investigating child abuse, and I've interviewed a lot of perverts, and I've put a lot of perverts in prison. And you guys are dead on. And that's if you accuse somebody. If I said Dale, you're touching your kids, you'd be pissed. Yeah, that'd you, be you, like fist flying at you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and, and that's a natural, normal reaction. Um, I, once I arrested a gentleman who'd been touching his granddaughters and when I confronted him, I said, Hey, the reason you're here is cause I got information you're touching your granddaughters. He played the ants in my pants game where he kind of like couldn't find a comfortable spot on the couch. And then after he wiggled around for 15, 20 seconds, looked at me and goes, Oh really? You know, that's not, that, that's a guilty, <laughs> you know, reaction. And that's kind of what this kid did was, a. uh, uh you don't say, uh, I, I would never do that. And I just, I flat out called him on it uh, a couple times. I basically told him to knock it off. You know, obviously, and this is the frustrating part, and uh, Peaches will agree with me because she was there. And you were there with us too, weren't you, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the, I mean, the kid had a, a mattress that was on the floor. He didn't even have box springs or anything. Right. He didn't have a bed frame. It was, his mattress was just on the on the floor in the corner. I think the frustrating thing is the kid was nonverbal, and you can't quite go to a DCFS and say, Interview the kids. Spirits are telling us that this kid's being touched. <laughs> the ghost <laughs> right. told me. Yeah. And so it's kind of frustrating because there wasn't a whole lot we could do as far as reporting it goes. Because, I mean, how do you prove that with a nonverbal kid? And how can you give a credible report when it's, you know, metaphysical? Um, and so I, I think that was hard for all of us that we just had to walk away from that. But we did end up chewing this guy's ass three ways from Tuesday. Um, and, Yeah. Uh, and like I said, after that, I had to block him just because I. There's nothing we could do to help him, and he was drawing the stuff in, and I to this day it kind of haunts me that I don't know what the end result is with that kid. But it's that that was a tough one. Well, I think it was just a. Uh, I think we were able to determine it was a perpetual cycle. It was just like 
his dad did it to him and his dad did it to his dad and right. it just it came down the line it's like well this is what happened to me growing up so this is what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. and it was just a kind of a, hopefully it's an ending cycle but yeah that was a, that was a tough investigation just for the fact that at the end of the day you know we removed nothing because this what was there i mean we determined there was a, a dark spirit that was you know helping encourage dad along but that there were other spirits that are trying to protect that child and so at the end of the day we're like you know we're not touching anything because we want those spirits to be there trying to protect that child as much as possible um but it's hard to again walk away because i mean again how do you give any kind of credible report to uh, an appropriate agency to investigate something with zero evidence short of right metaphysical which again you approach DCFS or police department with spirits told us this is going to sound crazy, but hear me out. (laughs) So I was talking to some ghosts. (laughs) That's true. In fact, there's some great dead body stories with Brandy too. When uh, she helped us find some there, there is, I think we'll save it for another episode. We'll, We'll have you back on. There's one more story that I want to tell. And let's do it. I think this is this is my favorite story to tell, especially when you're around, because you get to hear both sides of the story. When you lost your virginity, I want yeah. to hear it. You were there. You were there. You helped me. You were giving me pointers. Well, you t- 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 tentatively, Tim touched my hand, and initially I was scared and nervous. I'm but. sure I've licked your head a couple times. Um, so I had just gotten off of work. Chunga was doing some investigations off Broadway Theater in this old bank building downtown. They weren't too far from each other. Um, it had the, the off Broadway was kind of like the public hunt. That's where ticket holders were. Oh no, this was a Ben Hansen, not Chunga. Oh, this was Ben Hansen. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is Ben Hansen with Comic-Con. Right. right? Uh-huh. Okay. So, um, I know the, I know the exact story you're going to tell. We had gotten permission uh, for our, for just our team to investigate the bank building, but Ben Hansen was doing the, um, the ticket holder event over at Off Broadway Theater. Right, and he's for those who don't know Ben Hansen, he was the host for a Factor Faked, which was a was a History Channel or Discovery Channel. I think I think sci-fi. 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 Yeah. He's anyway. got another. He's got. Yeah, he's on a show right show. now on Travel Channel. Yeah. Right. So he was kind of a celebrity guest. He's a friend of ours, uh, and he was running a ghost hunt NASA's to help him, but it had just happened to be within like a block, block and a half of where we were doing a private hunt the same night. So. I had actually dropped Brandy off at Off-Broadway Theater to help with the public investigation, and I headed it over to the bank building to work on the, uh, do the private investigation. And our team was kind of like taking turns. They were rotating on the two different buildings. Um, I never made it to the Off-Broadway Theater that night as yeah, much as Yeah, we we'd actually to. had scheduled the one, and then the other one came up, and so we agreed to help with the one, but we're like, Ugh, how do we do this? So we decided to basically split the team in two and like halfway through the night swap. So people had their private time and then the public time. So I remember getting there and someone told me something about a dead bird. And we actually went down in the basement and saw the dead bird. Um, and after I remember, I just remember at the very end, after everything went down, I was pissed that no one got a picture of the dead bird. Um, but we do have, I hope you still have that picture. Cause I don't have it anymore. The picture of the curtain with like the eight faces in it. If it's not on my phone, I can find it. Okay. I've got it somewhere. I, know um, I do. I would love to put that up on the social media again. Uh, so anyways, I'm investigating. I'm with uh, another guy named Tim. He was kind of the caretaker of the building at the time. And then there was three women that were four members, that now four members of the team. Uh, we were all up on the top floor. This building was, um, so you, had, you walked in, you, you had your main floor, and then you had two floors above it and then the basement below it. And we were all up on the very top floor. 
and we were talking and and Tim had this EVP that he was playing for, so he played for everybody. Where uh, to me, I remember him playing it, it. It almost sounded like the spirit was kind of singing like "Swing Low, Sweet Chair," you know that song. Um, that's what I remember it sounding like to me, anyways. And as we're sitting there talking about this, we were playing the EVP. All of a sudden, I get this like metallic, like copper taste in my mouth. And so I'm checking my lips and stuff because my lips used to get really dry and crack and bleed. And this was, you know, kind of winter time. So it's even worse with the cold weather. And I'm like feeling around, there's no blood. So I'm like trying to figure out where this metallic copper taste is coming from. And Tim looks at me and he's like, we should probably start heading downstairs. And instead of going down the main stairs like we normally do, we decided to go out the fire escape outside the building and go down. And well, the other thing too is that all the, the girls started feeling sick. They started feeling sick, started feeling uneasy. So I think that's why we went outside is so they can get some fresh air as they were going down the stairs. Um, they, we let them go first and Tim and I were, you know, still inside the building and it started smelling like really bad, like, like this really bad mixture of like decaying flesh, like body odor and just like shit, like this really bad smell. And Tim looks at me and he goes like a Vasa men's bathroom. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Smells like someone shitting a dead body. <laughs> um, Tim Tim looks at me and he goes, "That's a sign of a demon." And I was fairly new to investigating, fairly new to this whole thing, and so I'm a little freaked out. And I'm like, "Okay, uh, let's let's go." So we get down to the second floor. Everyone's still feeling a little uneasy. The girls are still feeling sick, so we can make it down to the main floor. And I remember. We, there's like this little entryway. So you walked in the first set of doors. There's like this little like entryway and then the actual doors into the building. And they had their EMF meters going off and they were saying how crazy it was that everywhere in that room. I'm like, no, it's just ambient EMF because we've investigated this building a couple times before. Um, I'm like, it's ambient EMF, the wiring in this room. I'm like, see, look. And I'm like, if I go outside and I, I stepped outside the building to show them that the EMF would go off. And then I instantly felt sick. I started dry heaving and throwing up in the parking lot. And literally, like, the things that I was most afraid of in my life just started running through my head. Like, it was just not happy thoughts. And I finally got up enough to, feeling well enough to where I called uh, Castle here. And I'm like, I think I just pretty much got out like, hey, man, I need a blessing. And you said, okay, I'm on my way. And then the, the phone call uh, ended. Like I, that was done. That's all that needed to be said. Right. And so at this point you and the group, um, I believe you're like, you know, we got to get over there. Tim needs help. And so you guys come booking it. And I just remember you guys come running around the corner and Brandy was there. And I just remember as soon as she got around the corner, she just stopped dead. Oh yeah. She, she stopped on a dime. She said that the energy was so thick. It felt like she ran into a brick wall. Yeah, I, I remember that fact. Uh, since I had agreed, so I knew Ben for years, uh, and so he had contacted us about doing that uh, public hunt the same night we'd had this private hunt scheduled. And so I came and did the private hunt for just like an hour before the public hunt started, and then I kind of felt obligated to be over at the, the public hunt to help Ben. And so I had some of the team members over there with me, and it was me and Brandy was over there with us, um, and Josh Hansen. Uh, was there, I want to say Luke Hansen. Luke was there too. Uh, yeah. 
And I can't remember if his fiance now wife was there or not. I um, think she was, yeah. And then I don't remember who else was there with us. Do you remember? There was uh, Deanne's stepson Colton was there. Yeah. Um, and his now ex-wife. But Anyway, we had just finished the public investigation. We were just kind of winding down to a halt. And uh, I remember that, I can't remember if somebody said something, if someone had like a premonition ahead of time. Um, but I remember my phone rang and I heard Tim and he was clearly uh, upset. I mean, his voice was wavery. Um, you know, and he's like, Hey man, uh, we need help. I, I think I need a blessing. And then I thought he hung up the phone. And see, I thought you hung up the phone. And basically the phone just went dead, uh, is what happened. The call got disconnected and I could tell that Tim was pretty upset. Uh, and for those who know, Oh, I just, Charlie Orson, like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Investigator down. Investigator down. Um, that wouldn't be the first time. Uh, yeah, that, that outright. Um, anyway. Nope. <laughs> that, that bruise you had for like a month for running into that oh, chain. Oh, geez. Um, anyway. Wow, that really hurts. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I could tell that Tim was really upset. And for those who have never met Tim, Tim is like six foot four. Um, six five. Six five. Yeah, I'm six five. All I know is that Tim is really tall and really big. And if I ever need somebody's ass kicked, I'm hoping Tim's with me because Tim, Tim is awesome. Um, and I've got nothing but mad respect for Tim. And I would never want to be on the bad side of Tim. Um, you almost were once. I know. <laughs> I threatened to kick your ass once, and then it spawned a whole conversation between the team on who would win in a fight. And apparently, the whole team thought I would. So. Well, um, the whole team's probably right because I'm not 6'5". But um, anyways... Uh, <laughs> Long story short, when Tim calls you and sounds like the way he sounded and says he needs help, something bad is happening because uh, it should be me calling saying, Tim, I need help. But it's the other way around. Um, and so we literally sprinted uh, from the Off-Broadway Theater where we were investigating over to this uh, abandoned old bank building that they were at. Uh, and when we got there, uh, as Tim mentioned, uh, Peach is just like, skidded to a, a halt and she's like there's a demonic spirit just over there hanging around them um she went and sat on the other end of the parking lot away from me and oh I, yeah I, she, I tried to walk towards her and she just shook her head and said nope you're not coming anywhere near me so that's when it like clicked that this shit was trying to attach itself to me and so the first thing that i remember that i did uh, and i can't remember who came with me josh uh, was there was it josh i remember josh was there um so i decided that I wanted to make sure everybody's out of the building. Cause I mean, obviously, you know, at this point we kind of got filled in on what was going on. I knew there was a demonic spirit there that was kind of hanging around Tim. Um, I think Lurch went in the building with you. Josh stayed outside with me. Oh, okay. So Lurch was there then too. Um, but anyway, so first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to go and make sure that everybody's out of the building because obviously things were going down and going sideways really quick. And so this building is four stories. Um, it's got three stories plus a basement. Um, so and you started up on the top floor where everyone started feeling sick originally when I was. Yeah. So we walked into the main floor and then we went straight up to the top floor. And I remember that as we walked into the top floor, it's kind of interesting. If anyone has ever walked into like a banquet hall um, during like a, a, like a fancy dinner where you've got like 40 or 50 people sitting around tables, you kind of hear that low murmur of voices where you can't really hear any specific conversation, but you just hear that of people talking. We walked in and you could just hear that. I couldn't tell you a word that anybody said, um, just that it sounded like there's a bunch of people in there just having like a banquet kind of thing. Just that kind of sound of voices, if, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, 
And keep in mind, as we're going through and we clear this building, there's not a soul in this building. Everybody's outside, we determine. And I mean, and we're figuring that out as we're inside. Um, but we get up there and we hear those voices. I'm like, okay. And so we come down these stairs inside, and these are like old wooden stairs. As we come down these stairs, it sounds like there's a football team coming down these stairs behind us. Um, it just sounds like many, many feet running down these wooden steps behind us as we're coming down. Uh, and we end up clearing this whole building really quickly, you know, make sure everybody's out. We get outside, and uh, the spirit is like, it is full-blown, full-tilt boogie, uh, wants a piece of Tim. Um, and so you'll have to maybe fill in some of the parts of the story here, but I remember that we decided that we're going to give Tim a blessing. Um, like I mentioned, uh, several members of the team uh, are basically lay clergy and have the authority and ability to, you know, give someone a blessing. And so Josh Hansen is one of these, and we asked Josh if he would give a blessing. And Josh starts to give him this blessing, and all of a sudden Josh gets completely tongue-tied and can't speak. He couldn't get any words out, and I've I've known Josh for many, many years now. You can't I've get that guy never, to shut up. <laughs> I've never known him to not be able to talk. Yeah, I love Josh, and yeah, he, but he was completely, totally tongue-tied. And... I think, was it me or Lurch who stepped in? and Mark. Mark. It was Mark. And so Mark at that point stepped in and gave Tim a blessing. And that kind of... Oh, no, tongue-tied. Was Mark also tongue-tied? Mark was also tongue-tied. Who, was it me or Lurch who gave the third one? So what we ended up doing is oh, we walked right. around to your we ended up, Yeah, we ended up walking around to the other side of the building. And the whole time Brandy said she could see it on top of the building watching us. Right, and so that's right. I remember now. So we got over to my Jeep and, and we put on some... Uh, and this is one of the things that I like, always like to do when we did a cleansing is I always put hymns on, like church hymns. Uh, the idea being to basically kind of bring in a more positive spirit and kind of help drive out a negative spirit. And so we fired up some church hymns um, on the Jeep, had the door open. We're kind of crank. We, we were full on cranking some church hymns out there for everybody. Um, <laughs> Anyone walking down Main Street. We'd be like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> and then I can't remember if we said a prayer first. Um, I, you might have said a prayer, and then I think you did the blessing. Yeah, and was it the music? Did the prayer? Music, blessing, whatever it was. Music, prayer. And then we did the we did the closing prayer after. So it was the music, the blessing. The we did that, a, we right. did full on sacrament meeting. Yeah, we, we basically, yeah we did. Uh, so we did the music. Um, then we did a blessing. Did I do the blessing or did Lurch do the blessing? I think you did. Okay, I think well, at this point because you with everything that was going on. And you being like the authoritative, like senior figure of the team, you're just like, I, I better do this one. Um, so yeah, and we had blessing. so many problems with that up to that point. Yeah, the first part of the blessing and the second part. And then at that point, yeah, we said a prayer because we didn't want anything to fall anybody home. But that was definitely one of those moments. And that actually kind of shook everybody. Uh, Tim especially, I think yeah. it shook. Uh, just a um, little bit. Um, I just remember... After the blessing, I thought this was pretty interesting. I don't know if this, I, I still don't know. You might have told me um, if this was organized or not, but I know when it comes to like the paranormal and protection and stuff like that, you'll see the circle of salt and stuff like that. And when we got done with the blessing, I had noticed that the entire team had formed a circle around the car. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it, it was, it was kind of a cool, so one thing, um, and I don't know how you guys felt about this, but with the, some of the dark stuff that we investigated and dealt with, um, for me, I had a lot of really, really cool, positive spiritual experiences. 
Uh, yes. I had a lot of negative spiritual experiences, which put me in a spot for the positive spiritual experiences. But uh, yeah, th- there were a lot of really neat things that I experienced spiritually. With, with that one, I couldn't sleep for a month. I think I slept two hours a night, and it wasn't consecutive. It was and like I think 10, 15 minutes. Told me it was with there. the lights on. Yeah, it was with the lights on, and she still makes fun of me for that. But um, <laughs> spirits are going to be there whether or not the lights are on. It, it's a psych. It's a, a a mental thing. It makes you feel better. But I mean, like I said, I would get two hours of sleep at night. I don't know how I functioned for that month because I'd get two hours of sleep at night and it wasn't consecutive. It was like, yeah, I like remember five, you were kind of shook and you weren't sure if you wanted to continue on. I don't, yeah, I, I remember I did make the decision. All my, all my friends thought I was crazy. They're like, because I would tell people what happened and, and they're like, are you still going to continue to investigate? And I said, yeah. And they're like, why? And I said, because if I'm able to go out there and keep this from happening to other people, I, I feel like it's my duty, my obligation to help other people from dealing with this in their lives. Well, and honestly, and that's why I did it, why I enjoyed doing it. And that's why I enjoyed these dark cases. Um, because for me, the feeling of actually helping somebody was amazing. It's like a drug that I can't even begin to describe when you went in and took someone whose life was kind of in the toilet and they were just, you know, they were scared. Things were out of control and to go in and kind of bring some clarity to them and to kind of help them out. Um, for me, that was a feeling that I can't really replicate any other way. Um, so I, I guess in a sense, maybe kind of selfish on my part um, because it did feel good to go in and help people. Um, I'll be honest with you, and I think everybody at this table can say that. I mean, there are some times when this stuff scared the hell out of me. Um, yeah. You know, and you just got to put on your big boy face. Oh, like yeah. when you got choked out? Yeah. In fact, Brandy's <laughs> off a uh, screen, and she just reminded me of the time when I was in the basement, and she had something jump into her, and it, she physically tried to choke me out. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. But there were, you know, and the family tree restaurant, we had a lot of dark investigations there. And we could spend a whole two hours just talking oh, about it. We, we could do, do probably three episodes just on the family tree restaurant alone. So I'm not going to get too. I think we investigated it. more there than anywhere else. But I mean, some of the stuff there, I mean, I saw some of the creepiest, scary stuff come out of that place than any other location. But again, at the end of the day, being able to help somebody and being able to kind of take the fight to the bad guys, so to speak. Uh, was kind of a, a fun high that I can't begin to describe yeah. to anybody because it felt good to help people. But it really did take a toll on all of us. Oh, absolutely. Like, and there was more than a few times where I thought, boy, is this worth it? Um, and there were times when I was scared as hell, and there's times when I was like, did something follow me home? I don't know, and I'm laying in dark in my bed going, what am I doing? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the experiences that we had, the fun that we had as a team, um, the things that we did to help people, I can't begin to describe how awesome and amazing it was. And it was honestly, I don't think I've ever told you guys this, but it was, it has been, and will continue to be one of the best honors of my life, being able to investigate with you guys and, you know, some of the experiences we had together. Yeah. Um, same it's, I mean, I remember we're going to talk about one more investigation. One, one more. <laughs> be- we're we're gonna yeah, we're yeah. gonna do one more one more episode, but to to kind of end on like a high note, the last investigation we did with Phil. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Was that the Caffeineo? No, it was uh, it was a house. It was a residential, and uh, Greg Pascal was there as well. 
Um, I think they were there originally, and then we went back uh, with Caden and Brandy, and it was the the lady that um, her uncle had passed away, and he pretty much oh yeah 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 he had pretty much raised her because she he was he was more like of a her dad than anything. Yeah, I remember that one uh, vividly. Um, it took me a second, but I know exactly. So what you're talking I know about. I, I went to this house twice. The second time I brought you and and Brandy and Caden, and um, I think this is when we found out that this was before Brandy could actually see spirits that had crossed over. She was only seeing the earthbound spirits at this time, and Caden was able to kind of talk to this this uh, uncle of this lady, and we were able to determine that this this guy basically raised her, and she meant or he meant the world to her, like. She was uh, looked at him as her dad because he was there for her for like everything, and the fact that we were able to reconnect her with her uncle and see how happy she was, you know that I mean that it was investigations like that that made this all worthwhile. Oh yeah, I say, and that that kind of stuff. It, it was it was. It, I remember that specifically. In fact, I remember we even got an EVP of the uncle's voice. Um, yeah. And it, that yeah, I remember that just the tears of joy that she had and being able to kind of me too. That's when we found out I was an emotional empath mm-hmm. because but, I could feel all the emotions that her uncle was feeling. But being able to see, uh, you know, her tears of joy and uh, being able to kind of help her get a little bit of closure and say some things that she wanted to say that she hadn't been able to, and to hear some things that she needed to hear that he didn't get a chance. That was. That was a neat investigation. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorites um, for two reasons. One, we were able to reconnect her, but that was one of the last houses that we did when before our friend Phil passed away. Yeah, I remember that one vividly. So, um, they're not all bad. They're not all scary, but that's what people... The scary ones are the ones that are fun to talk about. Yeah, they're the ones that's fun. Well, I don't know. I'm sure you might have noticed, but I still... It's been like eight years, and I still have a hard time talking about that that bank building. Um, I still get a little shooken up. Uh, so, it, I mean, that one really, like, it messed me up, to be honest with you. Uh, but it also made me kind of understand more about what we were doing and, and helped me not be afraid of what we were doing. Well, you know, that's one of my favorite things, too, about our time together when we investigated. Uh, and I know this applies to me, too. Um, but I know that I grew and uh, learned a lot and became a better investigator and a better person. But I also got to see you and other team members brandy grow because and ghosty he was there too uh-huh i remember, <laughs> I, I remember for, for a long like time on this podcast he's even here on this podcast <laughs> yeah, you might not have heard me but i'm here <laughs> but yeah i was gonna say because it's interesting because again brandy wouldn't come across the parking lot on that investigation and i know that, that stuff really got to you on that one but you know near the end i mean a lot of the a lot of all of our fears we were kind of able to overcome myself included. Now when people um, are like, hey, there's something evil or negative over here, I'm like, where at? Let's point, go. Point the way, let's go. <laughs> Before um, I'd be like, peace, I'm out. But yeah, well, there are a lot of good times, and we could go on for hours on stories of... Well, I mean, we did over 100 episodes talking about stuff like this, so yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, but let's save it for I another think, episode. Yeah, we'll, have to, we'll definitely have Castle back on at another time. Absolutely, um, I'd love to do it. Uh, we might see more guests uh, now than we have in the past. Um, like I did kind of mention at the beginning of the episode, DVO is stepping away for a little bit. So you're going to have a lot of episodes that just go through myself, and we might be rotating in some people to come in and, and fill in as a guest host every now and then. 
It's going to be good times. It's going to be great times. A lot more stories. At least uh, the funny ones are still here. Um, (laughs) So so if you haven't already, follow us on social media. You can find us at evp.pod on Facebook and Instagram. We're also on YouTube. Uh, It's just the podcast right now, but we're working on getting other stuff up. I believe if you go to our link tree. (laughs) 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 Yes, it is. (laughs) You go to our link tree, you can donate so we can get our ghost yacht um, Follow me on my OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans. <laughs> Our only ghosts. Um, well, let's call on. that an episode, let's shall do we? It. Yep. All right, ghosts, you don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. Say something. Something. <laughs> <laughs> this is the EVP Podcast.